0: So do you remember, back in 2017, there was a Super Bowl commercial about immigration? Uh, Lumber... 84. 84. Mm-hmm. Lumber 84. Yeah. Do you remember what that commercial was about? Yeah. It was, like, the big
1: controversial commercial that year. It was about, like, a woman and her child, and they're traveling, like, through countrysides and across, like, they get on a train, and they're in groups of people, and they're in bad weather, and, uh... Eventually, like, you realize, like, oh, they're traveling somewhere and it's really hard and really difficult wherever they're trying to get to. And then eventually, like, you realize they're trying to get to the United
0: States. But then it doesn't show the end of the story. The commercial just ends with something like, to watch the full story, go to this website.
1: And then I came to the office the next day, and, like, one of our practices is that we all are, like, communication nerds so like we all want to know like oh what are the best commercials so the whole staff was watching and we watched the full-length version of that commercial
0: right so when we were all sitting in the office watching that I looked over at Leandro to kind of see what his reaction was
1: oh yeah okay so context so Leandro is our program director but he's from Mexico
0: Right. So I looked over at him to kind of see like how he's reacting to this commercial about immigration. And he's got tears in his eyes.
1: Oh, yeah, I totally remember that. Like he was he was really upset.
0: And at first I was kind of like, what a sucker, you know, like the the whole commercial is totally like meant to be emotional. Like it's meant to like pull on your heartstrings, make you feel some empathy for this mom and this kid who are trying to reach the border. And I was kind of like, Dude, you like totally fell for this whole like emotional game that they're trying to play here. And so after the commercial was over, I said, Leandro, what did you think of that commercial? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, I know people who have made that journey. I know people who have jumped on that train that they show in the commercial. It's a very dangerous journey. And it occurred to me that I didn't get emotional in that moment because I didn't have to. Like for me, immigration is always about policy, but it was never something personal. Like it was removed from me. And I suddenly realized in that moment, I had no idea what it meant to be an immigrant in the United States.
1: You're listening to the Love That Neighborhood podcast. I'm Jesse
0: Eubanks. And I'm Rachel Zabo. Every episode, we hear stories of social justice and Christian community.
1: Today's episode is where the gospel meets immigration. And we recognize that immigration is a hot button issue right now. I mean, many people have very strong
0: feelings about it and about what we should be doing about it. And we aren't going to endorse any certain policy. Instead, we're asking the question, What does God think about immigrants, and how should we as his people respond when they're among us?
1: Welcome to Our Corner of the Urban Universe. The United States currently has more immigrants than any other country in the world.
0: Yeah, according to Pew Research, we reached a record population of 44.4 million foreign-born residents in the year 2017.
1: And as Christians, we've been faced with the task of how we're going to respond. And it's okay to differ in policy, to have different opinions on the best way to improve our immigration system. That's just part of politics. But Christians don't just differ on immigration policy. We actually differ
0: on immigrants themselves. So according to another survey by the Public Religion Research Institute, most groups of people agree that immigrants are good for our nation and for our society. But the one group that doesn't are white evangelicals at 57 percent.
1: White evangelical Protestants are the only major religious group to have a majority belief that immigrants threaten American society and
0: our way of life. So it's, yeah, like you were saying, we don't just have an issue with the immigration laws in our country. We have an issue with the people themselves.
1: Yeah. But as Christians, we take our cues from God. And so the question becomes what sort of attitude does God have toward immigrants? In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is reiterating all of God's laws to Israel. Moses is about to die. So he's reminding them this is how God wants you to live as people. And in chapter 10, one of the things that he makes a point of reminding them of is this, the Lord executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing.
0: And those three groups of people, the orphan, the widow, and the sojourner, those are all throughout scripture. And God says that he has particular care and compassion for those three groups of folks.
1: Yeah. Then Moses continues, love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. And God is calling his people to remember their own experience in Egypt and how he cared for them as a means for determining how they should treat immigrants among them now.
0: Yeah. And I've totally heard that argument before, you know, that Christians say we should care for immigrants because our ancestors of faith were immigrants. You know, you look at Abraham, you look at Joseph, you look at Ruth, or you look at, in this case, the entire nation of Israel.
1: Yeah, unfortunately for a lot of us today, this exhortation falls a little flat. And the reason is because many of us just don't personally know what it's like to be a foreigner or a sojourner or an immigrant. And so this call to remember what it's like, it just sort of bounces off. I mean, it just it does not easily resonate.
0: Yeah, well, it's totally like what I was talking about, me watching that Super Bowl commercial. I didn't get emotional and it didn't resonate because I didn't personally have a connection to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said when it's someone that you know, you know, when it's taken out of the hypothetical and made personal and it disrupts your world.
0: It's funny you should say that because that, the going from hypothetical to personal, is exactly what happened to a church right here in Louisville. Okay, so first, a bit of context about this church congregation. When it comes to diversity and different ethnicities, this church tends to lean in one direction in particular.
2: We skew white middle class over the age of 60.
0: So this is Russell. He's one of the pastors at this church.
1: Hold on. So this church is mostly white evangelicals? Right. Who, according to that study, are the religious group least likely to be welcoming to immigrants?
0: Yeah. Okay. so white evangelicals are the majority in this congregation. However, ethnic diversity isn't completely strange to them either.
2: We have a lot of African-American families, a lot of Hispanic families. We're seeing a, a large increase in Middle Eastern Arabic
0: background. And it's one thing to see these different groups of ethnicities on a Sunday morning at your church, it's another thing when those folks start becoming your friends. And that's what happened to Russell when a man from Liberia came and joined the church.
2: He came up to me and he said, hi, I'm I'm Clarence. I would like to sing with the worship team. And uh, turns out he has an amazing singing voice, understands harmony, and he's got a great stage presence and uh, one of the sharpest dressers I've ever seen so yeah i was I was thrilled.
0: and in fact, it didn't take long before Clarence and Russell became really good friends.
2: I mean, we were texting and talking a lot, and uh, you know, I've got two kids, and so it's it's hard to always make time to get together, but I always made a point, and he always made a point of, "Hey, just checking on you, seeing how you're doing, how's that that job going?" and so yeah, we were we were close
0: and so one morning. Russell is taking one of his kids to school, and he gets this phone call.
2: It was a, I want to say it was like a Thursday morning, and I don't know why I remember that. Um, I think it's because Thursdays are my Fridays, and so I thought, I've got an easy day ahead of me. I'll just get to my weekend and then be ready for Sunday. And I get a call from a number I don't recognize, and I don't typically answer phones when I don't recognize the number, but I did. And it was Clarence telling me that he had uh, he had been arrested. Wait, he's been arrested for
1: what?
0: Okay, so I actually had Clarence come into the studio and describe for me what happened that morning when he got arrested. So here's Clarence. And just a note, he's from Liberia. So when he speaks English, he's got a pretty heavy accent.
3: I came downtown for a job interview.
0: So Clarence was driving downtown, going to a job interview, when this car pulls up behind him and starts following him.
3: It was a black Chevy Tahoe that pulled up behind me.
0: So it was a Chevy Tahoe. And when Clarence parks his car, this Chevy Tahoe also parks the car. And then a man gets out of the car, approaches Clarence and asks to see his ID.
3: He's wearing colored clothes, not uniform. Can I see your ID? I'm like, no, I don't know you.
0: Okay, police have the right to ask anyone for identification. Like, that's legal. But this doesn't look like a cop. Like you he said, he's wearing normal clothes. And so at first, Clarence refuses. And then another guy gets out of the car.
3: Then he showed me a badge that said ICE.
1: Oh my gosh, did he just say ICE?
0: Yeah, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And as you might imagine, these ICE officers are not playing around.
3: He said, now let me see your ID.
0: Clarence starts pulling his wallet out of his pocket. But as he's doing that, they take him into custody.
3: These guys put hangers on me. They push me into the car.
0: And they drive off with Clarence handcuffed in the backseat of the Chevy Tahoe.
1: What is going on? Like, what did Clarence do that's got ICE on him?
0: Well, hold on. We'll get to that in a minute. So Clarence was explaining all of that that just happened. You know, the Chevy Tahoe, the ICE agents getting handcuffed. He's trying to explain that to his pastor, Russell, over the phone. And then he tells Russell, oh, I have to go.
2: I immediately notified the other pastors that I work with. And uh, their response was, do whatever you can to help him. Um, If
0: we need to post bail, the church will be happy to, to help with that. So Russell's not sure where to start, but he remembers that he's taken Clarence to the immigration office before, so he knows where that is, at least. And so he decides to drive over to the immigration office.
2: They sent me to Homeland Security, which is down the street just a little bit. By the time I get there, um, he called me, I want to say 715, 730. I get there probably by about 835, and they said he's on his way to Chicago.
1: Okay, this is happening way too fast. I'm trying to keep up. Uh, I thought that he just got arrested a minute ago, and now he's on his way to Chicago. I don't understand.
0: So what you're feeling right now and all these questions that you have, this is exactly how Russell felt in that moment.
1: It was a whirlwind,
2: and it it really got to this point of, I I don't even know where to start. I mean, who do I talk to? I I don't even know how I'm going to get in touch with him. I don't know where he's going. Uh, I don't know what rights he's entitled to. So it was very much a just mass confusion on my part, just what, and helplessness.
0: And at the same time, Clarence actually didn't have much clarity about what was going on either. So he's in the back of this van with another handful of immigrants. He's being taken to Illinois. And finally, one of the ICE officers tells him exactly what is going on.
3: You came into this country with no permission, like you overstay your visa and you are getting deported. And I'm like, what did I do? What is happening?
0: Coming up, a lesson in visas, immigration policy, and a voice in the back of a van. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Rachel. Recently, we asked some of our alumni, how has serving with Love Thy Neighborhood made an impact on your life now? And I'd like to share one of those with you. This is Jordan Smith. He works at The Learning House right here in Louisville, Kentucky. And here's what he had to say about serving with Love Thy Neighborhood.
4: I definitely remember a defining moment um, where I was challenged by one of the individuals that I was serving. I had really kind of relegated him to that sphere of, of mission or work. He was essentially asking permission to be brought into this other part of my life that I really just kept separate. So. I think Love That Neighborhood showed me how to love people in a more gospel centered way.
0: If you want to find your social justice internship supported by Christian Community, head over to LoveThyNeighborhood.org and apply today.
1: You're listening to the Love That Neighborhood Podcast. I'm Jesse Eubanks.
0: And I'm Rachel Zabo. Today's episode is where the gospel meets immigration. Okay, so Rachel's
1: telling me the story of Clarence. He's from Liberia, so he's not a U.S. citizen. He got pulled over. He's been detained by ICE, and they're going to hold him in Chicago, and he's now being told that he's going to be deported.
0: No, he's being removed. Removed. They don't call it deported anymore because removed sounds nicer.
1: Okay, well, on the streets, we call it deported. I don't know what streets you're on. (laughs) The streets where we call it deported. Okay, so why is he being removed?
0: Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a walk through some different policies and immigration statuses. You ready? Yes. So when Clarence first came to the States, he had a six-month visa. And he came here for one reason, and that was to work.
3: I could work in Africa and I could make like 100 to 150 per month. But me coming here and me just working and making like 15 to 18 dollars per hour and bringing home like 1200 dollars like two weeks, that was something new for me.
1: Okay, this is good. So I think Clarence is making an important distinction here between an immigrant and a refugee. Because immigrants choose to go to another country, so he's choosing to come to work here. And refugees, on the other hand, they are forced to move.
0: Right. He's not coming here for safety reasons. It's purely economic. He can work here, send money to his struggling family members back in Africa, and help them get a leg up, and then go home. However, at the end of the six months when he was getting ready to go home, he actually couldn't. Because there was an Ebola outbreak in Liberia. So flights to Liberia had been canceled. He had to stay here. But his visa was expiring.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay, so he can't go home because of Ebola. Yes. He can't stay here because his visa is expiring. Right. What do you do in that situation?
0: Yeah. So he applied for something that's called temporary protected status.
4: Temporary protected status is kind of like asylum.
0: So this is Dorothy Ortiz. Up until last year, she was an immigration attorney. And I called her up to explain to me just what temporary protected status is.
4: For example, the earthquakes in Nepal, there were a lot of Nepalese citizens trapped abroad, like they couldn't go home. Well, maybe their visa is running out here, but we can't just kick them out. They have nowhere to go. They physically cannot return home. So we say, all right, we're going to create this temporary protected status for your country. It's going to expire on this date. So
0: temporary protected status is just that. It's temporary and you can renew it as long as your home country is still inaccessible. But it's not an option for staying here long
4: term. So it puts these people in a really unfortunate limbo. And if they can't find another status to move into, then when the TPS ends, they'll have to leave.
0: But fortunately for Clarence, he did have another status that he could easily apply for. Oh, okay.
1: So what status?
0: While he's been living here, he actually met a woman. Um, She was also from Liberia, but she is now a U.S. citizen. And they got married. And when you marry someone who's a U.S. citizen, you can then apply for a green card through your marital status.
1: Oh, like that's what Leandra's doing. Like his wife is a U.S. citizen. Leandra's doing that.
0: Yep, same thing. But there was a hang-up with the paperwork for the green card some problem where it said it was pending in this office in Chicago. And so that meant there was a lapse between his temporary protected status ending and waiting for the finalization for his green card, which means that technically, on paper, for a brief moment, he was here illegally.
1: Yeah, but like not on purpose. Like He can't make the paperwork go
0: any faster. I mean, that's that's not his fault, which was kind of the frustrating thing about the whole situation. Again, here's his pastor, Russell.
2: He's trying to follow all the rules. Um, Even the people in immigration, they weren't nasty. They weren't unhelpful. They were as helpful as they could be. You know, it says it's pending in Chicago. Well, what does that mean? I wish I could tell you the best thing I can tell you is get in a car and drive to Chicago. And that's not an option. And so that's not me being intentionally negative about immigration and in, in our, our system, but it's it, it is clearly a, a complicated, messy, broken system.
0: And because of that lapse in legality, that complicated, messy, broken system generated a warrant for Clarence's arrest.
1: Oh, and that's how the ICE agents found him, because he had a warrant out. Mm hmm. Yeah. OK, but. I don't know. Doesn't ICE have, like, bigger things to do, like, than to deal with, like, I don't know, a worship leader from a church? Like, why all the fuss? I thought ICE was supposed to keep the bad people out and let the good people stay.
0: Well, that is what ICE was originally created for. However, that's not what they do today. So, little history on ICE. ICE is a branch of the Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, DHS was created after the terrorist attacks on 9-11. And the point was for the U.S. to have a much stricter and streamlined process for who or what came into the country and who was to be kept out of the country. The Department of Justice said ICE's role was to, quote, prevent acts of terrorism by targeting the people, money, and materials that support terrorist and criminal activities.
1: Okay. That's good, but that definitely does that does not describe Clarence.
0: So over time, ICE began to morph. They started gaining more funding for having detention centers and then for having detainee quotas that they had to meet. And actually, ICE had an all time deportation high of four hundred and thirty five thousand people in the year 2013. Now, the number of people they've removed since then has gone down, but Today, the majority of ICE does not deal with terrorists, but they are focused on removing any and all undocumented immigrants from our country, which due to his temporary protected status ending and the hangups with his green card paperwork, Clarence did fall under.
1: So it's it's an unfortunate snag in the system. I guess I just can't get past the fact that, like, it's not his fault. You know, the system just can't keep up at the pace that he needs.
0: Yeah. And we might all differ on thoughts on policy and what we need to do to fix the system. But one thing pretty much everyone does agree on is that our immigration system, it's a mess. Okay, so getting back to Clarence, remember, he's in the back of a van. He's on his way to Chicago. And for Clarence, he's actually not frustrated at the system and how it's broken and needs fixing. His frustration is actually with God. I
3: started crying, and I told God, like, why me? This early morning when I woke up, I prayed to you. asking for protection. So why me? Then I heard this in my head, saying, like, why are you crying when I'm with you? I still remember that voice clearly. Why are you crying when I'm with you? Have I ever forsaken you?
0: So those are the words that are ringing in the back of his head when Clarence gets locked up in an Illinois jail to await a court date. So let's jump back over here to Louisville, where Russell and the other pastors are putting their heads together trying to figure out how in the world they can help Clarence.
2: So the first thing we did is we, we said he needs a lawyer. Once we got that train rolling, they made contact with him. They did everything they could as much as possible on this end. As pastors, we, we wrote lots of letters to submit to the judge of, OK, whatever happened, we agree that, that, yes, he broke the law, but we don't believe it to be intentional or malicious. And he's very involved. And he's a, an impact for good in our community.
0: So Clarence was arrested in October of 2018. And he finally has a court date in December. But he doesn't actually go to court. It's a video court. It's like court via Skype.
3: So they put me in the room with a video, and my lawyer was in Louisville on the video, the judge in Chicago on the video.
0: And as Clarence is in this room looking at the screen, here's what the judge concludes. The judge said,
3: your wife has a mental problem, and we believe that you marry her so you can obtain green card and stay in America.
0: And just to clarify, his wife does not have any recorded mental disabilities. Well, then why would the judge say that? Well, basically, they're accusing him of exploiting her, you know, saying, oh, you just want to stay in the States. So you found a mentally disabled woman so you could use her to get access to a green card.
1: But she's not mentally disabled. No. So no bond for you.
3: We're going to set your next code date for January 19.
0: So he's put back in jail, bond denied, and he'll be spending Christmas in his cell five hours from his wife and his church family.
3: It didn't really hate me until like I went to bed. God, why did you put me through this? No, no, no. I was so angry. I said, I have worshipped you. Tell me what I haven't done. I wake up in the morning. It's you. Before I sleep, it's you. Even at work, I talk to people about you. What do you want me to do? I was so angry. I was so angry.
0: In fact, Clarence was so distraught over the situation and the injustice he was facing, and he didn't see any way out of it, that that night, he actually managed to sneak an extra razor and take it back to his cell with the intent of killing himself. But when the moment came, he just couldn't bring himself to do it.
1: Like, the whole situation that he's in is just so terribly sad. Like, he has tried to do everything that our laws have asked him to do. He is trying to take care of, you know, family members back in Africa. He's now in a jail cell five hours from his wife, away from his church community. The whole thing is just so terribly sad. And it's hard to not feel like, like he has gotten the wrong end of this deal. And so imagine what it must be like for somebody who, who is now caught up in the system at the border. And even if they're trying to do it legally, you know, I think Clarence despaired to the point of death in his scenario. How much more so must people at the border be struggling with those same things?
0: You know, recently Samaritan's Purse, who is spearheaded by Franklin Graham, even he has said it's so bad that we need to go to the border and be with these people and help take care of them.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't have a liberal bone in his body.
0: But even he is saying, no, we need to go and we need to be present and help these people.
1: Yeah, and I think it just highlights the reality that, like, when immigration works well and functions well, it can be a really incredible and hopeful process. But when it doesn't, it can be really dark and cause a great deal of despair.
0: So in his despair, Clarence remembers the words God spoke to him in the van. You know, I'm with you. I've never forsaken you. And so Clarence, he actually asks one of the jail guards for a Bible.
3: Do you have a Bible? And they gave him a little small Bible, the blue one I took it. I went to the room and to read. I'm like, God, I don't think I'm going to be angry with you again. Like I know everything you're doing doing for a reason.
0: And so from then on, Clarence starts reading his Bible every day. And he just waits for his next court date. And while he's waiting, he starts talking with some of the other immigrants that are being held in the jail. And he finds out that they're as hopeless and despondent as he was. And then... That voice that he heard in the back of the van, he hears it again. That same
3: voice hit me again. Will you be and let these people be sad?
0: What are you going to do about it? Teach these people the word of God. He hears God telling him, you know, are you going to let these people be sad? You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, teach them my word. And so that's what Clarence does. He decides to hold an impromptu Bible study. He gathers up some of the men and actually... A lot of them don't even speak English, so he has to find someone to translate into Spanish for him. And since it's Christmas time, he just decides to read them the birth story of Jesus. And the other inmates, they're fascinated.
3: We really enjoyed that. So can we continue on doing this? Can you do this for us every evening?
0: So every evening, the inmates gather together and Clarence leads them in Bible study. And each time he teaches them on a different theme, like for instance, on New Year's Day, he taught them about gratitude.
3: What are you grateful for? Even though we find ourselves in prison, we are in jail, it's okay to be in jail. But what are you going to do while you are in jail? You're just going to turn your back on God. Maybe you're in jail because he want to
1: save you. So what
3: are you grateful for?
1: Oh my gosh, that's so amazing here's this guy, like, you know, days earlier, this guy's wanting to kill himself, and now all of a sudden, like, he's leading, like, a spiritual revival in a jail. It's amazing. It's, like, biblical, you know?
0: Yeah, and totally, the whole time I was talking to Clarence, I kept thinking, like, this sounds like something out of the Bible. This totally sounds like something out of the Bible. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: It's, it's like, it is. It's like New Testament in action stuff. Yeah. Okay, so, so then what happened?
3: What started happening was, like, when people are having their code date, they will come to me, say, bro, tomorrow is my code date. Can we just pray that everything go good? I'm telling you, I'll just hold your hands. We all hold hands. we we'll just pray for this person. And the next day, he will go to code and come back and say, man, I'm free. I'm out of here. Everybody before they go to code, they'll come and meet me. Like, can we pray? Can we pray? Can we pray? So it was getting serious.
0: Here's what's ironic, though, is all these people are coming to him like, can you pray for my court date? They pray. They're free. They're allowed to go.
1: Yeah, but he's like still stuck in there.
0: Yeah. So while he's there, though, Clarence becomes like this renowned figure in the jail. Like everybody knows who he is. Everybody wants to talk to him. There was one moment where this Guatemalan man was having a mental breakdown and he was crying so loud and the doctors came in trying to help him. And he told the doctors to go away and to bring him Clarence. He said, I only want to talk to Clarence. And so they bring Clarence to him.
3: I'm like, okay, what do you want to talk about? He said, where's your Bible? Can we pray? Can we just read the Bible and pray? I'm like, yeah, sure, 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 sure. This is what we already talk about, Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing but in everything but prayers and supplication with thanksgiving let the request be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. I started telling him my own story, like, when I first came here, I nearly killed myself, but look at me today. I don't even feel like I'm in jail. When I wake up in the morning, I'm happy because I've asked God for that peace, and I can feel it upon myself. So I just want you to feel the same way. Everything will fall into place. God has his own perfect timing.
1: You know, Clarence is like living out, you know, a modern version of like, I don't know, I think of like Joseph in the Old Testament, who's like thrown into prison and God used all that time in prison for Joseph's good, for God's glory. You know, I think of Paul being thrown into prison, you know, again, for Paul's good and God's glory. And... Then here we get to Clarence, and it's like, I just feel like the aroma of those stories is just so prevalent here. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, and God's not even done just yet. So a few days after all this, Clarence has his next court date.
3: I have my own court date, March 25th. This is what happened.
0: Stay with us.
1: In today's episode of the Love That Neighborhood podcast, we're exploring where the gospel meets immigration. And for many of you listening, you probably hear this story and it really tugs at your heart. And that might be because you're somebody who wants to help. If that describes you, it's possible that you have a very particular type of personality. To find out more about that, check out our other podcast, Love That Neighborhood Presents The EnyaCast. And specifically, check out episode number 16, about the personality type known as the helper, with recording artist Greg LaFollette.
2: And I, you know, had a lot in common with Mother Teresa and Desmond Tutu, mm-hmm. and it was like, all right, I'm on
1: my way to my yeah, Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, you're in good Peace company. Prize. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, you're gonna get sainted. Um, Check out Love Thy Neighborhood presents the IniaCast by searching for the IniaCast wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, or by going to LoveThatNeighborhood.org/IniaCast. Welcome back to the Love That Neighborhood podcast. I'm Jesse Eubanks.
0: And I'm Rachel Zabo. Today, where the gospel meets immigration.
1: Okay, so Rachel, Clarence was arrested in October 2018. Where are we now?
0: So it's now March 2019. He's been in jail for five months.
1: Five months? Hold on. I thought you said that his church was trying to help him out. Like, so where is his pastor, Russell?
0: Yeah, so actually at one point, while he's been in jail, Clarence was able to get Russell's phone number. And so he's been calling Russell about once a week or so, just kind of updating him on what's going on, where things are at. And since Russell's not a lawyer, he's not an attorney, you know, there's not much he can do for Clarence. But what Russell can do and what he and the rest of the church are doing is praying.
2: Every Sunday morning, part of our process is we all meet and we just go through What do we need to be praying for? What are some praises that we have? And uh, oftentimes it was spurred on by somebody saying, how's Clarence doing? You know, what do we know about Clarence? And so there was a lot of concern there for him. When will he be back? You know, do we know, is he coming back?
0: And all those questions finally got answered at Clarence's next court session. So he's at another video court hearing. It proceeds in typical fashion. Clarence is just looking at the screen, waiting for the judge to address him. And just like his very first court appearance, the judge says something completely shocking.
3: I thought she was going to tend to me and ask me some questions. But the judge said, like, why did you
0: guys allow me to keep this innocent man in jail for five months? And then the judge turns to Clarence's wife, who has driven up to Illinois to be there in the courtroom.
3: This girl looked like she had a mental problem. She looked beautiful. And she knew how to dress, too. I think Liberians
1: must be like really great <laughs> dressers. Yeah, Liberians seem like really snappy dressers. Because Russell was
0: like, he's a sharp dresser. The judge is like, man, she knows how to dress.
1: I need to get some Liberian fashion tips. That's
0: right.
1: So, what does the judge decide?
0: Yeah, so essentially the judge is like, this has all been pointless, and grants Clarence a bond and dismisses the case. So that's it? Well, not yet. I mean, he has to pay the bond to get out. So his wife and some of his other friends start putting the money together, and they call Russell and tell him, you know, this is how much we need for the bond. And all Clarence has to do is just wait for the money to come.
3: I went back to, they took me back to jail, and me thinking like maybe it would take me a week to get out. The next day I was out. The next day, out.
0: Wow, the next day. Yeah, overnight, like less than 24 hours. That's awesome. And Russell buys him a Greyhound ticket so he can come back to Louisville and come home.
2: So he called me first thing in the morning. He said, I'm home. I'm about to crawl into my own bed. I'm so tired. But, you know, I just want you to know I'm safe. I'm, I'm back home where I belong.
1: Oh, my gosh. It's like finally all over.
0: It's almost like you, like, breathe this sigh of relief. You're like ah, he's home.
1: Yeah, like he finally gets to go back home, be reunited with his wife and his church family and like get back to his
0: normal life. And so, yeah, actually now that Clarence is back home, Russell tells him, you know, take as much time off from serving in the church as you need to, to recover, like get your bearings back after all this that's happened. But the very next Sunday, Clarence insisted on being back on stage and singing. Because there's little else he would rather do than just sing to God. Can you sing the chorus? Let me just yeah. get back on.
3: Oh, overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Always oh, chases me down, fight you I'm fine. Leave the 99, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Like, it just speak to me, like, even though I'm going through the toughest time of my life, I still believe that there is hope. Like, once I can just hold on to, to God, like, there's nothing that's impossible once it comes to God.
0: So today, Clarence is still waiting on his green card. He's contacted the office more than 15 times, but they just keep telling him, It'll be in the mail. It's coming in the mail.
3: We were just hoping to see the mail. But up to to this date, we haven't seen that mail.
0: And while he still gets frustrated at the system, and he sometimes still asks God, you know, why is this happening to me? He can look back and remember that time he went to jail for five months for what seemed like no reason, but how there was a reason for him to teach his fellow inmates about God.
3: I understand exactly why I went to jail. The same judge that told me, like, I kept this innocent man in jail for five months. No, 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 no. You didn't keep me in there for five months. God sent me there for a reason. No matter what you go through in this life, no matter the circumstances or the condition or your situation, don't give up. Don't give up on God. Just trust God. He knows what he's done.
0: And, you know, for Russell and the other folks at his church, having spent these five months in the thick of immigration with their friend Clarence, he says it's definitely changing the way that they view and talk about immigration.
2: I will say that this has led to some more nuanced conversations with individuals about, you know, I thought I thought if you just followed the rules and did what you were supposed to do and did it right, that it was all just going to work out for you. And, and that's not what happened.
1: Yeah, you know, according to the study about white evangelicals, this church should not have gotten involved. But the truth is that they stepped in. And now immigration is not just about policy. It's personal.
2: We're, we're dealing with human beings on both sides of it. People who are immigrating here and people who are trying to enforce immigration policy. That We're all human beings. When we lose sight of that when, when it becomes just numbers and legislation that we forget the human side of it. it. It
1: becomes easy to debate about it. Yeah, this reminds me a little bit of our episode that we did on abortion. That You know, we can have very clear convictions of where we stand on an issue. But until we've heard the stories of those who are in the middle of that issue— I don't know. We've we've got to be more compassionate and gracious
0: in how we talk about it. Yeah. Immigration is messy. It's complicated. It's not going to work perfectly every time. And policies and laws are going to change. But what shouldn't change is our posture towards those who are vulnerable. You know, I asked Dorothy, the immigration attorney, what do you think a Christian's attitude should be towards immigrants? And her answer was actually pretty simple.
4: I would just say that Jesus didn't say, love your neighbor who lives within an arbitrary line drawn by man that denotes a country or a state. He didn't say, love your neighbor unless loving them is going to infringe on what you see as your rights. Only love them if they're not going to hurt your economy. He said, love them. What is the two greatest laws? Love God, love your neighbor.
1: Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the reality is like, we're not advocating for open borders. You know, countries and nations need laws and they need processes. But at some point, policy has to become personal. And it actually becomes very dangerous when policy doesn't become personal. And by that, I don't just mean personal and meaning, oh, how does it affect me? But personal in terms of how does it affect my neighbors? You know, are the policies that we're putting in place impacting people in ways that are good for them, that are gonna bring vibrancy and life to them, that are gonna show the kingdom of God at work. And here's the thing anyway, you know, for all the ways in which we may be skeptical about immigrants, or we may even have strong feelings about how immigration should work, the bottom line is this, there is no greater immigrant than Jesus himself. Jesus himself traveled farther and came to the most foreign of lands. And what happened? We rejected him, we despised him, and we unfairly crucified him. Instead, we should have embraced him and loved him and walked with him. But what's amazing is that even when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what does it look like for Christians to radically and compassionately love the immigrants among us? Because we don't get a choice on whether we should or should not love immigrants. God's word makes it clear. The question is are we willing to see immigrants the way that he does and love immigrants the way that he does? For more resources on this topic or to hear past episodes of this podcast, visit our website at lovethatneighborhood.org slash podcast.
0: So we thought this was the end of the episode, but actually just this past week, I received a phone call from one of Clarence's pastors and this pastor had an update. Clarence had an upcoming court date. The immigration lawyer advised him, if you go to this court date, you will be removed from the country. And so the lawyer told him the best thing you can do right now is go to Canada. And so as of right now, Clarence is staying at a homeless shelter in Canada while he awaits for more progress on his immigration status.
1: Special thanks to our interviewees for this episode, Russell Andrews, Clarence Kamara, and Dorothy Ortiz. Our senior producer and host is Jesse Eubanks. Our co-host today is Rachel Zabo, who's our producer, technical director, editor, and frequent napper in the middle of the day. Additional editing by Resonate Recordings. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere, Pottington Bear, and Blue Dot Sessions. Theme music and commercial music by Murphy DX.
0: Apply for your social justice internship supported by Christian Community by visiting lovethyneighborhood.org. Serve for a summer or a year. Grow in your faith and life skills.
1: Which of these was a neighbor to the man in need? The one who showed mercy. Jesus tells us, go and do likewise.